to me. Praise the Lord. Aren't you thankful for the presence of the Lord in your life? Oh, thank you, worship team, for leading us. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord on this winter, Wednesday evening. I am so thankful that his presence is not something that we have to do without, but it is something that we can live with continually. Amen? I know sometimes we don't live with it continually, but how many knows that we have that opportunity? We do not have to be separated from our Savior. No matter what comes our way, no matter what we deal with, no matter what the enemy may bring or try to bring, tonight we know this, that there is nothing that is able to separate us from the love of Christ. Paul said, I don't, I, he said, I've come to the conclusion that there is nothing that is able to separate me. He said, doesn't matter what comes my way. And I'm so thankful for that truth tonight. If you have your Bibles with you, Mark chapter number 5 is where we're going to be tonight. I'm going to do my best to share with you uh, what the Lord has placed in my heart for our time together tonight. I am uh, excited to share with you on this Wednesday evening. And uh, I want to talk to you tonight, preach for a few moments uh, about what we've been singing about tonight, and that is the power of his presence, the power of his presence. Before we get into the word tonight, though, I want to share you a story with you. Uh, several years ago, uh, all of a sudden, a quiet town, little community, a little, uh, a little neighborhood, all of a sudden, there began to be this statement made. He's coming. And it began to echo. He's coming. And there began to be a buzz in the street. And as this phrase begins to be repeated, hurry, he's coming. There began to be a man and a woman that had a daughter that was ill. And they began to try to maneuver her off of the out of the house and down the steps of the porch and wheel her out to the sidewalk in the midst of hearing, here he is, he's coming now and with great anticipation they're taking their sick child to the edge of the road and all of a sudden they began to hear the eruption of sounds of worship and gasped of awe because a man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth was walking down the street because he figured that it was best to be able to touch the people that he had a heart for. And he found that walking was the best way to do that. And as he was walking down the street and the shadow began to touch them, all of a sudden people began to be healed and delivered and set free. And with great anticipation, this couple that had worked quickly to get their daughter to the edge of the sidewalk immediately experienced the miraculous power of God when Smith Wigglesworth walked by and his shadow just fell upon her and she was made whole in a moment of time. 
All because of the presence. It wasn't a message. It wasn't a song. It wasn't enticing words of men's wisdom. But it was simply just a temple in which the Lord dwelled in. And the power of his presence brought a complete reversal in the midst of difficulty and uncertainty. I want to ask us the question tonight, do we understand truly the power of his presence? I believe tonight that we can go to scripture in Mark chapter number 5, and we're going to read a story that you're probably familiar with, uh, but I believe it shows us uh, the power of his presence. The book of Mark, it was believed to be the first gospel that was written, and for many years it was overlooked, but because much of what he pens is found in the gospel of Matthew and the gospel of Luke as well. But Mark, he focuses on a lot of the miracles and things that transpired through the life of Christ with him just being present in situations. And you will find where he arrives at Capernaum and things began to be turned upside down and then he makes another return visit there and then you read of a man's deformed hand healed and then we get into chapter 4 where he begins to teach with parables and at the end of that chapter though he pulls his disciples to himself and privately begins to exhort them and expound on what he would have been teaching to the others. And then he says, let's go to the other side. And he boards a ship with them and they get out into the middle of the, of the water and as they're traveling, all of a sudden there's a great storm that comes and the boat is filling with water and it looks like Death is coming to them, and all of a sudden they awaken him, and he just stands and simply says, peace be still. And it says that the wind ceased, and there was a great calm, and he said, why are you so fearful? And he simply goes on and says, how is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and he said, what manner of man is this, seeing that even the winds and the waves obey him? But in the distance, when all of this is happening, there is a young man. When you get into chapter number five, where we're going to begin tonight, and he's on the other side of the sea, and we find that in verse number two, chapter number five, it says, and when he was come out of the ship, speaking of Jesus, Immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. 
But then he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. So Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. Notice they were about 2,000, and they choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and towed it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus, and they see him that was possessed with the devil, and that had the legion, and he was sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him and that he might go with him. But Jesus suffered him not and said, Go home to thy friends. And tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath now and hath had compassion on thee. So he departed and began to publish it, how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. We have heard these stories preached at and taught on many times. But I want us to take a few moments tonight and look at this and realize that it truly is in his presence where there is fullness of joy. When you go to Psalm 16, verse number 11, you will find it says, Thou will show me the path of life, and in thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there is pleasures forevermore. But if you was to read over in Psalms 51, 10 through 12, David says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. But notice verse 12. He says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. What David was saying is this, Lord, I desire to be in your presence because it is in your presence that there is fullness of joy. But if you was to turn into your Bibles and read 1 Chronicles 16 and 27, we find that joy is not the only thing that is in his presence. But it says that glory and honor are in his presence and strength and gladness are in his place. If his glory is present, if his honor is present, and if there is strength and gladness there, it doesn't sound like there's much room for darkness. So tonight, why is it that we're dealing with a generation 
that has been overran and finds themselves in a hopeless condition. We often forget that man was created in the likeness and the image of God before the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. And we know that in the cool of the day, Adam and Eve was in fellowship with the Lord. And we find that I believe the most uh, tragic event that there has ever been and can ever be in the lives of an individual is when man becomes separated from his creator. Because we find exactly, and we find a picture that paints it very precisely, of the difference between Adam and Eve in the garden and Adam and Eve outside of the garden. And we find that the thing that is missing is the presence of God. Now, I believe this evening that the failure to bring the revelation of Jesus Christ to this generation, it is very troubling as well as very destructive. And I sense tonight an urgency in my spirit to bring clarity to the people of this hour concerning what can happen when he is present as well as when he isn't present. We find it in our reading in Mark chapter number 5 tonight. It paints a very clear picture of what happens to humanity when God is absent. We find that the young man that we read of, uh, he is a man that is overran by the demonic powers of hell. Can I remind you that this was someone's son? He was someone's family member. He lived in a community. He lived in a city. He dwelled in a nation. He was born just like every other individual of his hour. But yet something got a hold of him. And maybe he thought like many think today, I can handle this. I can do my own thing. I've got this under control. Yet we see him dwelling among the tombs and out of his mind crying and cutting himself with stones. Man was not able to bind him and he had become so possessed by demonic power that nothing was able to contain him. Think about this. They would bind him with chains and he would break them. They would put fetters upon him and he would break them. Can I say this tonight in our hearing? This did not happen overnight. But it was because a man, a young man, decided, I will live and dwell outside the presence of God. And today we see this being played out before us. Our children today are raised in godless homes. They're raised in communities where everything is celebrated except for the presence of God. We no longer need revival. We no longer need a move of his spirit. We no longer need to be in the house of God. Everything else takes precedent. But oh, when we get in trouble, we want to bring him off the shelf and we want him to wave a magic wand and heal all of our issues and take care of all of our problems. Uh, But can I tell you tonight, because of us accepting and embracing a godless agenda in our nation we now are reaping the results of that our children currently in grade school are now cutting themselves and not desiring to live 
our junior high children are now not just abusing themselves but abusing one another and oh in the midst of all of that they are now producing children as early as age of 12 and 13 and 14 continually <clears throat> by the time they reach high school they have had multiple sexual partners and they have now attracted multiple diseases and now they have no inspiration to dream about their future because of all of the darkness that the enemy has brought into their life at such a very young age. All of the while, mommies and daddies thinks it's not important to be in the house of the Lord. I'm not talking about those in the world tonight Talking about those that will lift their hand and say, yes, I'm saved and on my way to heaven. <clears throat> but I can tell you this tonight. They don't sing the song that the songwriter penned a few years ago that the journey gets sweeter every day. Because they find themselves in a place of constant torment. Why? Please hear me. We are dealing with a generation today where our young adults and our middle-aged adults now spend countless hours in their private bathrooms trying to scrub off the filth where until their skin is raw because of everything they've went through and been through and what's happened to them. All of the while, we think we can just continue as we are. Please hear me. Suicide is now one of the leading causes of death in our youth because of the environment they're in. But yet the world will tell us that it's a beautiful environment, that we have everything, that we need nothing. And even those within the walls of the church have adopted that attitude. But can I tell you, let us examine this, this environment just for a moment. The truth is, it appears that if this environment was everything that they say it is, we wouldn't be dealing with what we're dealing with. They tell us today we have plenty of money. We got drugs without endless uh, 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 supply. We have multiple cars and houses, the latest and greatest that the designer has made. Technology is at an all-time high. Fame and fortune is something that's come to many. But yet, it says there's no, but we find ourselves now in this condition. There should be no reason for such destruction in this environment. With all of the lights and the glitz and the glamour and the smoke and the entertainment, what if this is really true success? Then why is so many of them dead by the time they're 30? Just asking. The true reality is this, is what happens is when Jesus is not welcome in the heart of humanity, what we see take place today continually is the result of that. This must be said, even though it may not be popular tonight, when you refuse Christ, you begin to accept Satan. And when you accept him and you begin to yield to him, you find that things begin to get very dark in your life. Romans chapter 6 verse 12 through 16 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof, but neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. 
Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Therefore, tonight, let me remind you, while you think you can control the events of your life by not accepting the presence of God or seeking after it, you become overpowered by the power of darkness as well as you become an individual that's controlled by it. The reason there is such darkness been felt in America today is not because evil abounds, but it is simply because men choose evil over righteousness. When we choose to live without Christ as a nation, we position ourselves for failure instead of success. The church has been silent for too long, my friend. Tonight, truth must once again begin to be proclaimed. What is that truth? That truth is simply Jesus. There will be no victory in the lives of men until men willingly fall at the feet of Jesus. You wonder why there's so much chaos in your life? Maybe you want to pause and ask yourself the question, when was the last time I found myself at his feet? When was the last time I was willing to spend time in his presence? Can I say this this evening? Pride must be destroyed. Lust must be removed. And faith must be released. While the world is in denial, the church must awaken. I want to tell you tonight in the middle of this winter evening, we still need Jesus. And we still need the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, 14 through 21 tells us, Wherefore he saith, not me, he says, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say this tonight. We cannot do it alone. The task before us is great. I understand that. But also know this, while the elect of our day presents a false narrative, the church must arise and present truth again. What is truth? Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in there. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. <coughs> Excuse me. If we want somebody to find it, we're going to have to lead them to it. And the only way we can lead them to it is if we awaken from a place of apathy and if we get back to a place that God desires us to be. Where does he desire for us to be? 
He does not desire for us to be in the molly grubs. He does not desire for us to be in a place of defeat. He does not desire us to be in a place where we've been overran by the enemy. But he desires us to be in his presence uh, because in his presence there is fullness of joy uh, and there's glory and there's honor and there's strength and there's gladness. Uh, Listen, uh, the reason the song of joy has not been sung uh, is because nobody's glad. They're too busy being sad uh, and they're sad because uh, they can't be glad because they don't have any strength. Uh, And the only way you get strength is if you get back into the presence of God. Uh, And when you get in his presence, uh, all of a sudden his glory comes. Uh, And when his glory comes, uh, his honor comes. Uh, And when men see God uh, and they begin to honor him, uh, things begin to change uh, because the power of his presence uh, will change the dark to light and listen you can get into his presence if you choose to (laughs) Jesus is the way and can I simply say this he's the only way men has tried to carve out many ways But he is still the way, the truth, and the life. Notice John 14, 6, Jesus' own word says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What he's saying is this, if you want to get to the Father, then you got to come and spend some time with me because I'm the only way. Can I tell you, there's a lot of people wanting to get things from the storehouse of heaven, but they can't get it because they're not in the presence of the one that makes the way listen we got to get serious about this thing we are in a place right now where the world's going crazy if you haven't noticed but our children are being overran. Uh, our young adults think they can't make it. Uh, listen, uh, we've got to come back and realize uh, that we are going to be different than the world it's not a bad thing If you haven't noticed, the world's kind of in a place of desperation. You can give them a million dollars. You can give them a five million dollar home. You can give them the latest technology and they're still miserable. They're they're, they're still going from one relationship to another relationship. They're still going for another drug. They're still going for this or that. And they're still trying to find a peace and a rest uh, because everything that the enemy's giving them, there is no fullness in it. But when you get into the presence of God, hear me, some of you have been there. Do you remember what it is to bask in his presence? When was the last time you went to daily devotion and you thought, well, I'm going to do my routine, but all of a sudden the presence of God, and and then you find yourself been there an hour later. Listen, uh, you you, you thought you'd been there just for a moment, uh, but in his presence, everything changes. Uh, Why do you just want to visit that uh, when you have the opportunity to live that every day of your life? It is stated that Smith Wigglesworth, the last 35 years of his life, he lived in the spiritual realm and never came out of it. A man of perfect health. About six days before he died, a dear friend was sitting in his little cottage with him, and he looked at him, not been mean, 
but with great zeal. And he looked at his friend and he said, when are you going to just give it all to God? When are you just going to be and do what God says do? And for the last 35 years of Smith Wigglesworth's life, he, was, he had this mindset. He had an encounter with God in such a way, he said, God, my prayer is this, that they don't see me, they simply just see you. But the Saturday before he died, sitting in front of him, talking with his friend, there was invitation after invitation after invitation that he had just got out of the mailbox. He was 80-something years of age. He said, this saddens me. His friend, what do you mean this makes you sad? He said, because after all of these years, he said, my goal is that they do not see Smith Wigglesworth at all, but they simply see God. But he said, now they want me here in this country. They want me in this country. They want me in this country. All they see is Smith Wigglesworth. They don't see God. And he said, it makes me sad. Six days later, he walked into a funeral home to pay his respects to someone. And he was standing talking. And he just exited. Left this life. And he entered into the presence of God. To stay in a realm that he had not yet obtained. But his last conversation was with that friend. It makes me sad that people still see me instead of him. We are repeating that cycle today in America and around the globe. We are looking at men and thinking men is the answer. Listen, I am thankful for anointed men and women of God that carry the gospel. I'm thankful for anointed men and women that teach the gospel. But listen, get your eyes off man. Man is not your source. I am not your source. I'll stand here and give you my heart. But listen, uh, you don't need to rely on this preacher. What you need to do is get back on your knees and get into the presence of God. Because it is then that you will have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Uh, listen, uh, you want your marriage to be better? Get in the presence of God. Uh, you want your children uh, and your relationship to be better with them? Then get into the presence of God. Quit wanting somebody else to do it for you. Uh, there is no success outside the will of God. Uh, and God says, I can't bless a mess, uh, but I can bless somebody uh, when they get in my presence. Uh, because you can only get into his presence uh, if you have a pure heart. Meaning this, uh, you don't have a hidden agenda. You don't have something on the back burner trying to create. Uh, but when man gets to a place where they understand I am desperately in need of you. I can't make it without you. And when I fall down at the feet of Jesus, he is faithful to reach down and to take me and to put me in his arms and says, I'll give you strength. I'll give you help. I'll give you health. I'll give you everything you have need of. Listen, the reason we're in trouble is because we're not in his presence. And there isn't a shortcut to it, my friend. Nobody's going to write a book and tell you how to get there. 
The book's already written. It says, Jesus is the way. You won't shout me down, but that's all right. But I have to take you back to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 17. Wherefore, come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and then I will receive you. My friend, separation is still required. Separation is not doing what your grandma did or great-grandma did. Separation is a man or a woman that when God begins to speak to their heart with the convicting power of the Holy Spirit and says, don't touch that, don't do that, you stop doing that and you stop touching that and then you work out your salvation with fear and trembling and let God lead you and guide you. And when you begin to live a separated life, God says, I begin to receive you and when you're in my presence, listen, everybody thinks, man, if I give up this or if I give up that, listen, here is fullness in his presence. Uh, you, listen, he can't fill you with what he wants to fill you with till he empties some stuff out of you. You see... Before we got soft in this nation, when our young men would go to military, basic training was there for a reason. And it was to break them down and empty them so they could put them back together and make them be what they wanted them to be. But now we've created country clubs for basic training. So now we can't even create real warriors let's just be honest and real because we don't make anybody empty themselves anymore or we don't make anybody be put on a potter's wheel anymore because well we don't want to we, we don't want to do that because we don't really think it's required or it's not really necessary listen it is required and it is necessary for us to come out from among the world and be separate because that's the only way he's going to receive us. So if you think you're going to keep the old man and refuse to put on the new, then you're just going to keep living a miserable life. I don't care how many times you sing Amazing Grace. I don't care how many times you run to an altar. I don't care how many conferences you go to. I don't care how many times you do whatever you want to do. The reality is until we come and separate, listen, we got to get back into the presence of God. This nation depends upon it. Your children are counting. Well, they may not tell you this tonight, and your extended family may not tell you this tonight, but listen, they are counting on you and I to be men and women that walk with the power and the anointing of God. And the only way we can do that is if we get back into his presence. Listen, I have people in my family, I'll go six months, never talk to them. Because they do their thing, I do my thing. But when something happens, when they get in trouble, Ron's not such a bad guy after all. But they don't call to talk to Ron. But they call to talk to Ron because they think, well, maybe Ron's spent some time along with the Lord. Let's be honest and real. They're counting on me to have something. Just like your family's counting on you to have something. They're not counting on you to have religion. They, they don't care if you go to church. 
They, they're counting on you to have been in the presence of God because they're counting on you to be able to pray a prayer and something change. See, Jesus says, I am the way. And he says, separation is still required. And I want to give you one more tonight. I'm going to get ready to bring this to a close in just a moment. But holiness is not an option. I want to say that again. Holiness is not an option. It is a requirement. First Peter, chapter number 1, 13 through 20, we read these words. Wherefore, gird up the, the lawns of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy... So be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written. How many knows if it's written, it's established? It's established, be ye holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without respect to person judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, a silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Let me take you back to verse 16. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Holy is this. A person, place, or thing that is set apart for the service of the Lord. It's not legalism. It's not tradition. We've taught this. We've preached this for years. But there is a generation where we need to understand our lives have to be set apart if we are ever going to obtain the presence of God. Now, you say, is this really important? Yes, it's really important because tonight, let me remind you, hell is still real. And it's still hot. And it's enlarging itself daily. And it's enlarging itself with people in our community, people in our families. I don't care what the obituaries say. Not everybody's going to heaven. Not everybody's getting angel wings. I'm sorry. Melissa types it every time, but you know, I, I, it is what it is. But, but that don't make it gospel. I'm sorry. There's a written word that's higher than the written words of men. And it says, I am the way. Come out from among them, be ye separate, and I'll receive you. Be ye holy, for I am holy. What he's saying is this. There is some requirements for you to be in my presence. But those requirements pale in comparison to the benefits that you get if you will do it. Because when you get into my presence, uh, there is fullness of joy uh, and there is glory and honor. Listen, uh, what brings about a revival uh, is the glory of God. 
So you can preach it, we can sing it, we can talk about it, but if the glory's not in here uh, and the glory's not in here, uh, it's a fairy tale. Uh, but when somebody on purpose uh, sets herself apart, uh, lives a separated life, uh, and begins to follow after Jesus, uh, can I tell you their future immediately becomes brighter than their past uh, and they can begin to shout uh, and they can begin to sing uh, because there is no darkness in his presence uh, but when they get in his presence uh, they see a different dimension uh, and they begin to see the glory and the honor of God uh, and they begin to receive strength uh, and that's why uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego could stand in the front of the fiery furnace uh, and said we're not careful to answer thee O king uh, that's why Daniel uh, could climb the stairs uh, and go up and say I'm going to pray anyway uh, uh, that, that's why uh, we can see the mouth of the lion's been shut. Uh, why? Uh, it's because somebody was in his presence. Uh, I wish somebody uh, would begin to walk with the Smith Wigglesworth anointing again. Uh, he was an extraordinary man. Uh, he was an ordinary man uh, that served an extraordinary God uh, that said, I desire to be in his presence. Uh, on a Wednesday night, I'm going to preach while you sat there uh, because in his presence, there is something worth obtaining. When was the last time you was there? The thought that men can play with sin is destroying a generation. That's why oftentimes when I stand behind podiums such as this, I do funeral services for not old men and women, but young men and women. Why? Listen, we have become such a society today. We've been absent from his presence that this has become an epidemic. Listen, we may think we're strong and tough and durable, but in ourselves, every one of us become weak and vulnerable. start of this week an elderly man I don't know him don't know his story other than that he was not doing well but he was listening to the wrong voice the wrong voice the voice of darkness the voice of death the voice of emptiness On Sunday the wee hours of Sunday morning got in his car at 92 years of age, drove to the parking lot of a funeral home. A young man Sunday morning walked in, unlocking the door, seen a car running in the parking lot, thought maybe somebody needed something, walked over to the car looked inside a 92 year old man couldn't live anymore took a gun took his life in the parking lot of the funeral home because he just couldn't deal with it anymore 15 minutes from here because of the presence of evil that said you just can't do it 
Maybe some of you in this room has heard that voice in recent weeks and days. You can't do it. There's no use trying. You can't. You can't. You can't make a difference. You can't do this. You can't do. But I'm here to tell you. That voice has power. And the only way you can combat that voice is if on purpose you transition and get into the presence of God. Listen, there has to be an awakening. There has to be a revival. There has to be something more than this. But who's going to pay the price to obtain it? I'm going to be real with you tonight. Scripture says one of you can put a thousand to flight, but two of you can put ten thousand, right? Listen, inside this demonic boy, nearly two thousand devils cutting himself, living in the tombs, in the mountains. Nobody could bind him, nobody could do anything. But when Jesus stepped out of the boat, immediately, notice this, immediately the boy saw him, runs to him. But it was the unclean spirit inside the young man that began to acknowledge who Jesus was. We're trying to fight a spiritual battle in the natural realm. And listen, we don't have to fight because the battle's already been won. We just got to get in his presence. And if we're willing to go and stand, God will fight the battle. I just don't know why my children's not serving God. I just don't know why my children's not getting delivered. I just don't know why this. I just, I'll tell you why tonight. I'm going to tell you with a smile on my face because I love you. Listen, because I don't want you to take it the wrong way. We're not in his presence. We can dream about it, we can want it, we can wish for it, but until we take the pride and make the sacrifice to get into his presence. Listen, you can give your children all of the latest and greatest of technology. You can give them all of the, all of the stuff that the world says they need to, be, but to have the stamp of approval and this and that, but I'm going to tell you something. You talk to any adult in this room. Young people, you hear me. Those of us in this room that's did life and has been active and all of those things, listen. You don't do life with the people that you went to college with. You don't do life with the people you went to high school with. You don't do life with the people you went to junior high with. It's a very rare occasion. Once you get out of those institutions, everybody goes their own way. The only time you see them is if you're lucky enough to go to a high school reunion. You might see them. And then when you look across the aisle, you say, thank you, Lord. I know she was wonderful then, but, man, I'm glad you spared me. That's the conversations you have. You don't do life with those people. But yet, mommies and daddies, you hear me in this room. You're running yourself ragged so that they get the approval of their peers that they'll never do life with, and you fail to get them into the presence of God. Shame on you. And I say that with love. Because I'm going to tell you something. All this other stuff is fluff. And it's all going to fade away. But one thing that's not going to fade away is eternity. And we see a vast exit. 
Listen, I want you to hear my heart tonight. I'll cheer them on from the stands. Not against it. I'm going to tell you something. I'd rather cheer them on right here with you and them so that they could be raised up to be mighty men and women of God that can turn a world upside down. Because I'm going to tell you something. A ball game is not going to save this nation or it's not going to reach the nations of the world. But when somebody begins to burn with passion, I'm going to tell you something. I don't care how good they get at whatever they're doing. They're not going to be able to walk down the street and see somebody saved, delivered, and set free. But when Smith Wigglesworth said, you know what, I'm going to get in the presence of God, he didn't have to say a word. He just walked. And when he walked, his shadow, that shadow, that shadow right there can... Because if it's been in the presence of God, if this has been in the presence of God, that shadow can bring heart disease to an end, sugar diabetes to an end. It can bring a complete reversal in whatever demonic stronghold there is. But listen, that shadow don't have any power until this vessel gets into the presence of God. But are you willing, am I willing, to do what it costs? The power of his presence. Power of his presence. We can talk about it. We can dream about it. Or we can begin to make it a reality and begin to be who he's called us to be. Men and women that sold out. That's all he's asking. He said a man that puts his hands to the plow and looks back, he, he's not worth much. If we is honest tonight, every one of us in this room has probably put our hands to the plow when we've looked back. So I say, God, forgive me for ever looking back. But he says, unless you pick up your cross daily and follow me, you're not even worthy to be called my disciple. I will tell you, it gets hard. Or some days it's, it's weighty. I heard some of you tonight, it's just coming in, oh, it's been a rough day, it's been this, it's been that. Yeah. But if we just press, if we just push, one moment in his presence, one moment, there's strength. There's glory. There's power that can never be obtained elsewhere. And just one moment in his presence. Tonight, if they'll come to the piano, please. The time... that we find ourselves in is a time where the question must be asked. And I know this is a little bold tonight maybe. But I have to ask the question. And, and I, I, want you to, I want you to hear me tonight. And I've had to ask myself this question. 
And I'm going to ask you tonight, are we really concerned? Are we truly, are we truly really concerned? The time to respond is now. The question is, will you stand to your feet and put on the whole armor of God and begin to fight for this generation? Don't condemn it. Don't push it down. It's already had that enough. But will you come along beside it and put your arm around them and tell them, say, you know what? You can do anything with Christ. What's it going to take for you and I to awaken in such a form that everything else pales in comparison to the work of the kingdom? God, help us today to be shaken in a manner that will turn our world upside down with the message of Jesus. He never asked us to save anybody. He never even really asked us to heal anybody. But he did commission us to make disciples of men. We're to go to all the world, teach the gospel, preach the gospel, yes. We're to be found laboring in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, yes. And yes, he gave us the power and the ability to lay hands on the sick and they can recover. Yes, all of those things are true. But I've come to understand this. Nobody's going to get saved. Nobody's going to get delivered. Nobody's going to have a life reversal unless there is one thing that's present, and that is His glory. And the only way His glory can be present is if we get in His presence. So I don't know what it takes for you to get into his presence. I know what it takes for me. I can only speak for me. It means me turning off, turning off everything. I can sit at home and I can read and I can study. Too many distractions. Even if nobody's doing anything. Even if it's just me and Debbie, it's too many distractions. I have to go find my place. I have to I have to get myself to where I just turn everything off and if that means early morning late at night or real real early morning where the night turns in the morning that seems to work best for me. Now there's times the body says you need to go to bed. There's times the wife says are you coming home? There's, there's times that the flesh don't want to. But understand, if, 
if I'm going to do anything at all, if anybody's going to be touched, if anything is going to transpire out of my, out of my efforts, I have to be in His presence because if I'm not in His presence, there's no glory. And if there's no glory, there's no honor. And if there's no honor, no glory, it means there's, there's no strength on display. And I'm going to tell you something. we got to have his strength because our strength isn't strength enough. Because the enemy has took a generation. And he didn't just put them in a cistern, the cistern, but he put them in the miry clay of that cistern. And we don't have the strength within ourselves to pull them from that miry clay. All but his power. His strength, it is something that cannot be compared. Tonight, as we stand all over this house, I've delivered my heart tonight. And you say, preacher, you're a little aggressive tonight. You're a you're a little you're a little violent with your passion tonight maybe can I tell you tonight that the reason for it is because we're in a battle for humanity we're in a battle for your family and my family we're in a battle for this community Listen, there is, there is a generation of teenagers right now, preteens. There's a generation of young adults that God has ordained them. Their lot in life is to be ministers of the gospel, to be worship leaders, to be teachers, to be prophets, to be apostles, to be evangelists. mommies and daddies and the organizations of this world are keeping them so busy right now that their head is spinning and we're not even discerning that which the enemy is doing in the most innocent form he's keeping them from their God-given potential and calling let's not assist him in doing that but let's break that and let's develop these men and women that God listen The world and you even, and I even may look at him and say, well, that's just a Gideon uh, hiding in a place in a wine press. But I'm telling you, God says they're a mighty man of valor. Tonight, the only way I'm going to reach my family, the only way I'm going to reach this community, the only way I'm going to reach your family is if I get into his presence. And his glory begins to shine brighter than it's ever shown. Let's become the city that's sitting on the hill again. Let's be the men and women of God that God's called us to be. You may have to rearrange some things and say no to some things. But that which you think you're getting rid of will be replaced with something that is far greater 
I'm going to tell you something. The peace and the rest that comes when you're in his presence. Oh, what a place that is. So tonight, I'm just going to call us to a place of prayer right now. I'm just going to call us to a place of prayer. You can pray at your seat, pray around this altar, kneel, stand. But this is where it begins. It's where we begin to long and have a desire. This is where it all begins. At the feet of Jesus. Saying, God, fill me. Oh, fill me. As they minister in song tonight, won't you come? Let's pray together tonight.